Hello, I'm Marcus Railton, and this is the Scots Care Podcast. Scots Care is the only charity dedicated to helping disadvantaged Scots in London through a range of support, including mental health therapy, financial grants, advocacy, sheltered housing for older Scots, job coaching, social events, befriending, and support for children and families. The charity has been running for 400 years to help break the cycle of poverty experienced by some Scots in London. In this series of the Scots Care podcast, I'll be chatting to celebrities and supporters of the charity that have forged a life often away from Scotland and about the ups and downs that can bring. This week on the podcast, Commonwealth gold medalist in weightlifting, Chris Murray. Chatting to Chris was a delight. We spoke about his dad, who used to sprint with Olympic champion Alan Wells. We chatted about how Chris arrived at weightlifting through football, rugby and top-level diving with the likes of Tom Daly. Chris was very honest about the sacrifices he has had to make and still makes to be an elite athlete in a somewhat underfunded sport. But what struck me most about this modest 24-year-old was his maturity and his drive. Here's Chris Murray on the Scots Care podcast. Scots Care, for Scots in London in need of support, financial, practical or emotional help. Hi Chris. Hi Marcus, how are you? I'm good, thanks for doing this for us. No, no problem at all, no problem at all. Are you fighting fit at the moment? I, I heard from a contact of mine at your gym, you might not be 100%. No, I think I've uh, popped a rib, unfortunately, on uh, on Monday, so we're... Uh... We're a little sore today. I've seen the physio and I've got massage tomorrow to try and alleviate some of that um, and get me on the mend. I'm meant to be competing in Germany this this Saturday, but um, as the hours tick on and I don't feel any better, it's looking less and less than, uh, likely that that will be happening. What does what does that mean? Do you mean you like it pops out of place? And is that because of the extreme weights you're putting on it? Um, I'm going to butcher this, but from what the physio said, there was uh, your your rib at the back is connected by either a, a, a ligament or or a tendon or something, and there's just a a little pop there. So it's nothing snaps. It's it's nothing too bad, but that kind of um, that signal causes everything to uh, to tense up and uh, oh, yeah. the muscles around it in order to protect it. Um, and with that, it means the rib doesn't move as freely. So then, when I move my body because the ribs don't necessarily move with it. Um, the, the bones that connect the uh, rib to the, uh, to the vertebrae just keep uh, touching or, uh, or it's the nerves or something around that, that just causes quite a bit of a discomfort. So he, he kind of describes it as a, as a paper cut. So one of those injuries that in the grand scheme of things, isn't that bad. It's not going to cause any long lasting injuries or, uh, or, or take loads of time to rehab. But the pain that amounts from it is uh is pretty severe. So um yeah, I'm I'm a bit I'm a bit uh uncomfortable at the moment, shall I say? And are you limited by what you can take for that? Because you are uh, a competing athlete, I presume you can't just fill yourself with a whole load of painkillers to get rid of the pain. <laughs> um, I've uh, I've been taking a bit of ibuprofen to try and relax some of the muscles and uh and a bit of paracetamol for it as well. But um, I think the main thing for me with especially the, the the potential of competing at the weekend i don't want to take too many painkillers um to almost numb it i want to know what sort of shape i'm in to make sure that um 
yes, I can't do any more damage, but I need to know whether it's actually getting better or whether it's getting better just because I'm taking a, a load of painkillers and I can't feel it, if that makes sense. Yeah. But what does what does that mean for you then? If you're, you know, as, as a, uh, are you professional or are you amateur? Which I'm never too uh, sure. I don't, I don't think there are very many professional weightlifters out there. So, um, but you're, if you went to the Olympics, you'd still, you have to be an amateur, don't you? I, th- I think there's, there's some rules around that. Cause I, to be honest, I'm not entirely sure. Cause I think some of the NBA players nowadays are, are doing some, yeah. uh, some competing in the Olympics, but essentially I, I work part time in order to fund my weightlifting. Um, and then I've got a few sponsors who, um, who pay me in exchange for social media posts and stuff like that. And then uh, this competition that I'm lifting in, in Germany is for a, for a weightlifting team. So they, they run like a, a lifting league. They call it the, uh, the Bundesliga out there. Um, mm-hmm. It's all for weightlifting and they'll pay me to go out um, and pay me to lift um, in order for them to win their matches or, or perform well at those matches. So, without chris without being too nosy you know you can tell me to go away if you're like (laughs) what what happens if if you do that you know you 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 tweak your rib you can't go out do they say oh well this is not going to be a payday for you then essentially yeah so um i get paid per it's, it's it's done on a point system so i get paid for how many points that i make or lift um i've messaged obviously with such short notice i messaged them on uh on tuesday saying, look, I, I'm unsure what shape I'm going to be in, uh, whether I'm going to be able to lift as much as you need me to in order to win the match. Um, and they've come back to me. They said, well, we paid for your flight. We paid for your hotel. Um, so if you want to come out and see how it is, great. So they're, they're being quite accommodating with it. I don't think they're too too annoyed. I mean, injuries happen. But um, in terms of payment, um, if I don't lift, I won't get paid. So um luckily with my other job and, and my sponsors I, I i don't rely on this money um but obviously it's it's uh very nice to have um and you know would, de- would definitely help um i'm not uh, i'm tr- i'm investing the money in the physio and the massage now to try and get me healthy so i can go out and lift but uh if i can't it's not it's not the end of the world do you know what? i wouldn't mind talking a bit more about that later about the kind of funding and what sports are well funded and what sports are poorly funded but let, let's kind of go back to the beginning because where were you brought up because your dad's scottish isn't he yep yeah my dad's scottish he was uh he was born and raised in uh, in edinburgh and portobello um and both my brothers were uh were born there before he moved down to england for for work and i was i was born in oxford um before and then we moved around quite a bit for his work so most of my growing up was in uh gloucester and then uh and then surrey and am i right in thinking your dad was a, a pretty high profile athlete as well he was a, a sprinter yes yeah yeah so he, he used to he used to do a bit of sprinting um back in the day trained with um alan and and, and Margot wells up in up in scotland um he was my boyhood hero. He he won gold at the 1980 Moscow Olympics. I remember. I, I thought you were going to say my dad. I was like, I'm sure he's not. <laughs> <laughs> he's a good guy as well. <laughs> but uh, no, Alan Alan Wells is a pretty phenomenal athlete, and uh, it, it's it's crazy how small the world is actually because him and um and his and his partner Margot um lived uh, not too far away from us just by pure chance when we were over in uh, Guildford. So. 
when I was uh, growing up and doing all all other sports, uh, I used to do a bit of athletics as well. And I'd go down to the track and I'd I'd see her there. So it's crazy how uh, you know this this big whole world and and country that we're in, yeah. um, and yet th these two people just uh, well. The most important thing is, can you do a convincing Scottish accent? Yeah, no, I'm not even. Gonna, I'm not even gonna try. I can't. I can't take it too seriously. Um, yeah, my I've got three kids, and my 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 daughter, she's four, and then my my middle boy Rafe, who's just turned ten, and Rafe is just awful. He sounds. I think I've said this before. He sounds like some kind of American leprechaun when she's, when she's trying to take the Mickey out of me. But Noah, who's he's thirteen, going to be fourteen shortly, he can do it. He like, and I think it's because I just spend most of my life shouting at him. <laughs> he's, he's got it you know because i was saying to him the other day can you say purple burglar alarm and he mm -hmm. could do it he kind of you know a little bit aberdeen but he gets it that's uh it's, it's a good skill to have to be honest accent so they're, they're always quite fun to crack out a party but unfortunately uh no no good on my end no yeah. good on my end when you were a bit younger you were also into your athletics but you're also into diving as well yes yeah so, so uh, are you are you how did that come about? Because somebody said to me that, oh, ask Chris about the diving because you were proper national level alongside Tom Daly. Oh, well, I'm not sure whether I'd go that far, but um, I, I dove for, uh, gosh, about five, six years now, I think. Um, and just because we, we had a, a pool with, with diving boards um, in Guildford and when, and when we moved, you know, I'd never seen it before, so I was quite interested. And I think that was around the same time as, Tom Daly was becoming quite a, you know, a, a, a household name. Um, so I was really, really wanted to give it a go, really wanted to try and, yeah, worked up to about um, national age group standard and won a, won a bronze medal on the, on the one metre springboard, um, which uh, was probably my highest achievement. And after that, I, I, you know, I love, I loved it. I was, uh, I had the power, but my flexibility just wasn't really there. And I was investing a lot of time and I knew I, I was never going to get to the standard that I wanted to get to. I, I've, I've always wanted to be a, you know, a elite level athlete and compete at the highest level, whether that's the Olympics, whether it's when I was playing rugby to play in the prem, premiership and stuff like that. But um, I just knew I wasn't going to get there. So I think at that point I was doing diving, rugby and then starting my weightlifting and I just knew I can't keep investing all this time into all these sports especially around exams as well so um gave up gave up uh gave up diving is there any I don't mean this flippantly Chris is there any sport that you're not good at or are you just kind of are you kind of kind of genetically talented that way if you you know whether it's rugby or football or basketball can you just kind of turn your hand to it um I am no good at uh, coordination or racket sports. Coordination or racket sports. Um, my catching and and uh, and stuff like that isn't isn't that great. I think I've always, from my dad, I think I've been quite quite powerful and quite fast, which lends its hand to quite a few um, game sports like rugby and and football and and sports like that. But I think uh, as as people and my competitors started to get a bit more technical um and and this and the sport wasn't just you know who's the fastest who's the strongest it is relying a bit more on skill i think that's where i started to fall down or, or lose my edge and started to realize okay maybe i'm not quite built for this i think 
rugby was was maybe one of the sports where I thought I I could have gone somewhere, but I'm only uh, I'm five six and eighty kilos. Like I'm not exactly the biggest uh, yeah. biggest man on the pitch. And with the game becoming so physical again, I knew I probably wasn't gonna gonna make it there. So uh, well, also up... I can see why you might not want one of my friend's sons. He does judo and he's. He wants to go to the Olympics. That's his thing. He definitely wants to go to the Olympics. Uh, that's that's. He's just got a great mindset. And I thought, I was thinking, Stan, you might go to the Olympics. But he's he was also doing well in rugby. But he's given up the rugby because he was worried at one point he would get clattered and injured, and that would affect it. That that would affect him on the judo uh, on the judo mat. It was something that I had to do as well, quitting rugby um, with a few more years left of. Um... Of schoolboy rugby left, I, I stopped playing. Which, looking back on it, I'm I'm sad I never got to play first team rugby. But um, equally, like a broken finger or you know a dead leg or something that that takes you out of training for a week to four weeks, you know, it's it's just not worth the risk. And with rugby, when there's so many moving parts and so much out of your control, there is that higher injury uh risk factor and it's just it's just not worth it when you've got other ambitions in other sports did you know scots care can help second and even third generation scots break the cycle of deprivation key services include financial grants mental health support social events for the scots community and more now what brought you to the attention of most people was birmingham winning the the gold medal at the Commonwealth goal, the Commonwealth Games last year. When you went into this, were you and your team thinking we could do this, or was it a surprise to you? Was there any point throughout the competition you think I've got this? Um, I think going going into the competition, I, I knew I was in a good position. There were about um, on the rankings, there were about five of us within a couple of kilos, so I knew it was incredibly tight. Um. I knew that um, it, I could have the best day of my life and I could still walk away without a medal. I think the thing that helped me was, you know, for the last four years, everything has been building towards that one competition. And I've never felt more prepared, um, like walking to, to the way in that day. I felt so confident in, in the fact that whatever my coaches put on the bar, I was going to make. Um, and to be honest, like, I didn't really keep an eye on what was going on during the during the competition I just lifted what they told me to lift and just waited and um yeah it was enough I wouldn't I think the list that I did I knew I was capable of doing and I'm not shocked at how I performed it's not like I pulled out some crazy 10 kilo pb but um the result you know like I said it could have gone it could have gone either way and there are a few guys who put weights on the bar to beat me and and narrowly missed out so there really wasn't much in it between first and first and third place. So it's interesting you're saying that when you walked out there, you thought, you know, today is going to be a good day. And I, how can you put a percentage on that when you're out there and you're in this environment and the adrenaline's pumping? You know, can you say, I am going to lift more than if I was just on my own in the gym? You know, does it give you an edge when there's a crowd and you know it's an event? Oh, 100%. 100%. I think. I think it's just the the build up to it being a home games and being a I mean being a games in general but also being a home games like you 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 spend a lot of time thinking about it preparing for it um doing everything you can to make sure you're as fresh as possible on the day and then the crowd as well um just so loud 
um and so supportive and they and they want you to do it well they want you to lift the weights and um you can definitely feel that um th that atmosphere in that competition was something that you know I've, I've never experienced before and it really was something that uh that helped help me get over the line and 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 lift all those lift all my uh attempts but you know what chris i watched you in birmingham and I, I'm not phenomenally clever, but, you know, I can grasp most sports. And I thought weightlifting was actually simpler than it is. It's actually quite technical. And I, I, when I was watching you, I was thinking, is this a barrier to entry for people? Is this because it there's rules and regulations that I couldn't get my head around? I couldn't. I thought, what's happening here? You know, and I just wonder whether things need to be simplified a little bit to get new people into the sport. It's definitely something that's come up a lot. Um, the press out rule, it should be uh, fairly simple in the sense that the the bar must go to overhead in one movement, or if you're doing the clean and jerk, it's from the shoulders to overhead in one movement. And with that, the elbows shouldn't bend. And as I say that now, it seems fairly simple. Yeah. The issue is there's an ambiguity to it with um, the, the referees look at it, and they might see the elbow bend, they might not. And then you add in the uh, extra complexity of having a jury on top of the referees, which then the referees can deem it a good lift or a bad lift. And then the jury can overturn it. And I think what confuses people is, you know, a lift will get given as a good lift. And then two seconds later, it's a no lift for no obvious reason. Um, yeah. I think that's yeah. what was that's what I didn't get because at that point I was thinking I don't know what's going on here. I think that's where we, it's where the commentating is really important, but also some of the visual aids like um, like in football and VAR or rugby with their um, TMO. You know, you, you've got someone talking it through. You you un, you can hear the referees talking to each other and saying, you know, this is why we think it's this or. Whereas in weightlifting, it's it's normally quite a bit of quiet. And again, because there's so much ambiguity, you know, what's the difference between a press out and a wobble or shoulder movement versus elbow movement? And yeah. it's uh, it's not as clear cut as, oh, yeah, the ball went forward. That's a knock on or, yeah, that person's offside. Um, and it just allows for a lot of human error and, and a lot of inconsistencies in the in the judging, which then as a spectator or a new spectator, it makes it very difficult to understand what the rule actually is when, you know, someone can, an infraction can look the exact same, but one can get given as a good lift and one gets given as a, as a no lift. I want to talk to you about your training and your, your lifting training, because, you know, you're at the absolute top of your game. So if you were playing for Chelsea, you'd, you'd have your own private training ground and you'd turn up in your Maserati and, mm -hmm. you know, you'd be wonderfully pampered, but your training at a public gym alongside the public. And I, is that difficult for you when you're not, when you've got to rock up there on your own, do your training, stay disciplined. And you know, there's people like me just trying to do some sit-ups beside you. Is that a difficult <laughs> environment to, to get tuned into? It can and it can't be. I think um, it definitely depends on the outlook that you have. Um, quite lucky that this isn't just some, generic gym it's, it's i'm training at locker 27 which has specific weightlifting platforms and all the right kit and it is a, it is a really good place to train with with people who more often than not know the gym etiquette to 
you know, maybe not walk right in front of you after lifting or close to you after lifting. Um, so that does help. But um, look, it would be great if um, British weightlifting had a national training centre where everyone came and trained and they looked after us with food and physio and stuff like that. But we don't have the money for that yet. Um, and it's making the best out of the situation that we've got. Like, I'm very lucky in the sense that the gym is a two minute walk away. There's a physio on site, a sports masseuse on site. And I have all the, the, the support network necessary in my own environment to, to help support me as much as possible. But um, I do think if there was a bit more of a centralized system and a bit more money in it, you know, I think GB weightlifting as a whole would be doing, I mean, I mean, we are doing amazingly well. The, the women are doing great things on the international stage, but um, I think with a bit more funding and a bit more of a centralized program, uh, we could be doing, we could be doing even better. Did you notice a difference? Was there an overnight difference for you from a kind of, lifestyle point of view when you won gold at the commonwealth games did it make your life financially easier to or were you able to breathe just a bit easier because you're not thinking i'm up against it all the time no uh, to, to be honest there's there's been very little change between now and winning the commonwealth games i mean but you're not able to say when you when you're looking around for a sponsor when will people do people take your phone call now when you say it's chris murray the commonwealth gold medalist <laughs> Um, not, do you know what? It hasn't opened as many doors as I would have liked. I think in terms of new sponsors since, um, post the games, I've, I've, I've gained one new sponsor and I've, I've currently got three. Um, so just kind of put that in, into perspective. Is that ever not, is it ever difficult to stay positive about that? To think, you know, you're 23, you're very talented. You 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 could go any way in your life. Is there any point you just think, oh, do you know what? I, I don't need this hardship. It's, um, do you know what? And especially moments like at the moment where, you know, you're injured and, uh, you know, I'm, this is an injury, like I said, it's not as severe, but it's definitely affecting my day to day. Um, mm. Like walking around, I'm like, is it worth putting my body through this when, you know, like you, like you mentioned football, like I'm not making a living or a wage off of this. If anything, it's uh, it's making my life harder by, uh, you know, maybe having less free time to spend with friends or spending more money on massage and physio and, and nutritionists out of my own pocket. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm not doing, I'm not doing this sport for the fame or the money. I'm doing it because I enjoy it. I had the goal that I wanted to go and win the Commonwealth Games and I did it. And that was the only reason why I went and did it. I wasn't doing it because I knew that, oh, if I win the Commonwealth Games, my life's going to change. And I kind of had that approach going into it, which I think helped me stay calm. Like it was a big event and there was every reason for me to get, um, you know, overwhelmed. Yeah. But which, and it almost sounds um, a bit depressing saying it, but my whole output was like, no one really cares if you do well or doesn't like <laughs> weightlifting isn't this um sport that's constantly on the news no one's gonna be like oh everyone's expecting chris murray to do weight no well no one knew who i was before the event there were no expectations the only expectations i was putting on myself and i knew if I, I've, I've done everything i can if i go out and do my best that's all i can do and i think that's what helped me perform one in four of us will experience a form of mental health illness in our lifetime 
Scots Care offers mental health support with quick access to qualified therapists for both children and adults, bypassing NHS waiting lists. If you're a low-income Scot in London and could use the help, get in touch with us. You're making tough sacrifices. I, I spoke to Hannah Rankin, the world champion boxer, mm. um, a couple of months ago, and she she was talking about how there's more money in women's boxing now, but for a long time there was there was next to nothing. She couldn't get sponsors because as soon as her her trainer would phone up and say it's Hannah Rankin, the, the, and as soon as they mentioned women's boxing, they say, "Oh no, we're, we're not particularly interested." But the sacrifice she was talking about is when she goes into like a twelve week camp for a pre fight camp everything gets stripped away. You know, she has to be so disciplined. She can't have a sneaky pizza on a Friday night. And I just, I wonder about how much you've given up at 23 when, and I'm not saying this is a great thing, but a lot of your mates are probably out down the pub, having a good time, not really thinking about what they're eating or drinking. Whereas it, it's probably on your mind 24 seven. Yeah. I, I think sacrifice is an interesting word that we use. Um, I think if you're talking about sacrifices, I think, what I've maybe sacrificed is, you know, I probably haven't traveled as much or, or gone as many holidays in the last couple of years because I can't control where I go training or, mm. uh, or if there's going to be a gym or, okay, let's go on this holiday, but it's got to be near a gym. And then you end up almost sacrificing that holiday aspect. But I, like I said, I, I love training. Um, I, I'm not exactly a big drinker. I don't, I don't like to party as much. So this idea of missing out on, all these nights out with friends like to be honest I wouldn't have been having that much fun anyway so um I don't really view it as that that big of a sacrifice but it's like it's like I said earlier I've had this goal that I want to go and achieve these things and that's what I'm gonna do and if I didn't want to do it if if there were things that I'd rather do I'd do them I think that's the outlook I've, I've got is weightlifting is never gonna be um at the detriment of my life because the goals that I want to achieve outweigh this, um, this short satisfaction of, you know, maybe spending a week on the beach or, or, or going out one night with, with a bunch of friends, this, um, when I sit down and set a goal, I I look at what my, my days are going to look like. And these, these days are going to be the same for the next well, two years up into the Olympic Games and another four years and up until the next Commonwealth Games. And am I happy with my days looking like this? And I am. And in that way, it's not a sacrifice. If I yeah. if I looked at these days and I went, God, I really don't want to do this. Like that sounds hard. Can I really do this for the next four years? I would I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. And what did you when you went to the the World Championships and was overall you placed fourteenth? Am I right? Oh gosh. Uh, yeah, I think I think you are. Yeah, I think because one was one event was thirteenth and the other one was seventeenth. So I, yeah. I don't know whether they do a kind of mean average or. And I just wondered, was that a step up when you're competing a lot against the Eastern Europeans? And how did you feel? Did you think fourteenth or was that where you expected, or were you disappointed? Did you want to get higher? Well, obviously you want to get higher. <laughs> yeah. With the with the Commonwealth Games, twenty twenty two was a tough year, as in competition wise. It was very full on um we had the commonwealth we had europeans then a month later um the commonwealth games and then a month later we had european under 23s and then the world's a couple months after that so it was a long time to kind of stay at the top of my top of my game mm. and i was definitely holding on with a few niggles and a few 
bits that I probably could have done with addressing beforehand. I didn't perform as well as I could have done. Um, I think I only made uh, three out of six lifts, which, you know, in order to be a top performer, you've really got to be making five or, or ideally six. Um, so I know I left a few um, a few kilos on the platform. It's very similar to, um, you know, being a golfer and, and two putting as opposed to, you know, one putts. It's like not executing as well as I could have done. Yeah. Um, but that was my first senior world championships. Um, I've been selected for a few in the past, but with COVID and funding issues, I hadn't been able to go. So it was a great opportunity to go. Um, my mum is, it was the world championships were held in Colombia and my mum is, um, Colombian. So it was great to have some family out there watching as well. So it was, overall, it was a really good experience. Um, I would have loved to have done a little bit better, but I know, um, come next year with the, with the next world champion or, or should I say this year, um, with the world championships, I, I know, I've learned on what I've um the mistakes that I've made that it's a less competition heavy schedule this year so hopefully we I'd love to see see me break into that that top 10 um in the world and and then just build on from there year on year. You're very pragmatic Chris. Do you ever get really <laughs> I was think I was it like cuz you are you 23 am I right in thinking that? I'm actually 24. I, I turned 24 on uh, on Sunday. Oh, happy belated birthday. Thank you. But you know I, I don't think at 24, I was as pragmatic as you. I think I was still kind of frustrated and, you know, angry young man syndrome. I think you, mm -hmm. you deal with, you deal with like not performing very well. You know, you, you're kind of like, right, how can I solve this? How can I, how can I move forward? And is, is there an, an, an optimum age for weightlifting? Is it like 27, 28? And, and then what age do you top out at? The op the optimum is is a little bit later. You're looking at around yeah twenty eight, um, closing in on your thirties. It's um, it's a difficult one to manage because as a strength sport, um, you know it takes time to acquire strength. Now that I've got the technique near enough um, sorted, it's just all about just getting as strong as possible, and and that comes with time. Um, mm -hmm. The difficulty that you have with that is as you get older and you're pushing your body to those limits, you are more prone to injuries. And it's, uh, it's, it's doing all those little things. It's booking in those regular physio sessions and, and massage and doing your accessories that you need to do in order to keep all the little muscles happy and mobility and stretching and stuff like that. But um, in terms of in bowing out, it's, it's really as long as I can go where, you know, financially I'm in a good position where I can carry on training and, I don't have to worry about bills or stuff or, or worry about getting a, a full-time job in order to train as well. Um, as long as I can continue to train and be healthy and not have to worry about my financials, I'll, I'll carry on going as long as possible. But there does come that point where you start thinking, mm, maybe, maybe it's time for a change of career or, um, or even just starting a career really, which, has been on my mind a couple of times. Um, I think going back onto what we were talking about, about sacrifices, like I've always been quite a driven individual. Um, I'm looking forward to, you know, entering that, um, that, uh, that work, the working world and, and trying to be the best uh, employee and as possible. And at the moment with training, you know, I can't dedicate the time to a, to a proper career, but, is something that I I think I would really enjoy, and I'm having to put on the back burner until after this uh, career in weightlifting is finished to um 
to start doing that. So I don't know. It's a we'll see. We'll take each year as it comes. I think there's a few goals that I w- I want to go back to back at the Commonwealth Games. So we'll definitely be weightlifting for another four years. Um, and then after that, we'll we'll see. Uh, we'll see what's what's possible. What the what the financials are saying and whether I do want to just start um start living life in the real world. Should I say? Well, I think you've got a long, positive road ahead of you in the, in the world of lifting. Chris, thanks for joining us on the, on the Scots Care podcast today. It's been a real pleasure chatting to you. Oh, thank you. I've really enjoyed it. Speak to you soon. Teddy, bye. Talk to you later. Bye. Social isolation is a growing and often unseen problem in big cities like London. Scots Care's Leather Buddies programme matches a Scots Care volunteer with a client in need of company for a weekly chat to help build back connections. If you think you're on your own in London, Scots Care can change that. Don't suffer in silence. Talk to us at infoscotscare.com. At